Welcome to the Who and What She Wants podcast. I'm your host, Chloe Ward, and each week I will be interviewing an inspirational female entrepreneur so that you can take away actionable tools and insights to enable you to build the business of your dreams. Whether you're first starting out building your own business, or if you have entrepreneurial dreams that you don't know how to make a reality, then this podcast is for you. Now let's get into the episode. Today, I'm super excited to welcome the fabulous Megan to the show. This incredible home and gifts buyer recently launched her own lifestyle brand, Two Libras, in partnership with her mum. Today, we're going to deep dive into Megan's entrepreneurial experience, and she is going to share with us how her background has helped to define the businesswoman she is today. For anyone wanting to work in the world of home and lifestyle, Megan's story will help inspire you to chase your dream and to follow your passions. Welcome to the show, Megan. I'm so pleased to have you here today. Hey, thank you for having me. No worries at all. Um, I thought to kick off the interview, it would be amazing if you could just give us some background into how Two Libras was founded and what experience got you to where you are today. Yeah, sure. So I have been a buyer. Um, I'm working with product development um, I'm with different brands, really, mainly heritage brands for about seven years. So I've worked on products like mugs and sofas, even textiles and loads more random things. Um, so I kind of started my journey. I finished school and um, I did one year of A-levels and it wasn't really for me. So I dropped out and I got a place in the um, Fashion Retail Academy in London, which definitely got me started onto the right path. And it, you study things like buying and merchandising. So really recommend that for anybody who doesn't know what to do after school. Um, and from there, uh, yeah, I got my first buying job. And from there, I've always really loved creating product with a story. So last summer, <laughs> obviously, it was COVID and things were a little bit different. And it was all a bit <laughs> bizarre. So um we started Two Libras. So Two Libras is all about making time for moments of tranquility and self-care. And our core products are crystal intention candles. So me and my mum started the brand in the summer because my mum's a key worker supporting people with learning disabilities, but she's always been really creative and crafty. And obviously as COVID hit, things became more stressful and gloomy and it was a horrible time. So we wanted to create something um, to help ourselves and to help others as well. Um, make some time for self-care and that's how two libras was born and it's all it's called two libras because we both have the same birthday and we're both libras and we're actually the fourth generation of women born on the 24th september in our family so it's a nice little story to tell and play around with oh my god that's incredible <laughs> what are the chances of that that's madness well it's nine months after christmas eve so <laughs> Uh, do you know what I'm a Libra as well I'm 5th October so I'm also a Libra that has just explained a lot to me Christmas babies (laughs) yeah I've never thought of that before in my whole 29 years on this earth but now (laughs) the penny has just dropped during this interview (laughs) I'll have to have a chat with mum and dad later I'll be like um guys I did some maths today and I worked something out oh that's so funny I love that you've had such incredible experience working with buying. was that something that you'd always kind of wanted to do as a child or when did the dream of being a buyer sort of start oh, for you do you know I think it was in school because I always loved fashion and I thought I was going to have a career in fashion but then um so I, I worked in retail I worked in shops and I absolutely loved it so I kind of 
tried to figure out what I could do in that kind of field and then just a bit of googling really and then I find out about buying so it's gone from there I thought I'd work in fashion but to be honest it's a bit cutthroat and a bit competitive so I pretty much prefer home and home and gift and it's just a little bit more relaxed um yeah yeah I love that is that also the Fashion Retail Academy sounds amazing. Was that like the equivalent of a degree or was it a degree? No, or what kind of qualifications are? It's basic oh God, it's um it's a diploma. So it's instead of A level, so it's kind of A level level. Oh amazing. Yeah. That sounds like such a great opportunity. It, it was yeah, like I definitely recommend it. So you do all different kind of things. You do a bit of visual merchandising, you do a bit of merchandising, so like stock planning, and then you do buy-in, um, and a bit of marketing, a bit of PR. So it was really, really useful. And I know a lot of people have done it and they've gone on to have really great buying careers. So Oh, that sounds incredible. I'll definitely be sure to link that in the show notes just in case anyone is interested in kind of exploring that a little bit more. Um, I'd love to know as well. So when you guys kind of first had the conversation about starting your own candle brand, had you had an experience of actually making candles before? Or was it something that was completely new to both of you? It was something that was completely new to both of us. So my mum was feeling a bit down, obviously, because she works in care. Her hours had shot up. She had to do so much overtime because other people were isolating. So she wanted to do some it was a bit of a hobby um to relax and I thought you know what this is I feel like there's something in in this because we started talking about crystals and then we started talking about like zodiacs and our story and then it kind of just came together like really organically so she started making candles and she did a couple of trial runs and we got a product that was really um commercial and it was good to use it was good quality so we thought let's let's do it I love that so much. Had you both been into candles before? Uh, sorry, crystals before as well. Yeah, so I, I, I was talking this to my mum. So we've always liked them, but I, <laughs> something that sticks out for me is my mum's always had like kind of like talisman around the house. Like from wherever she'd go, she'd kind of like pick up the good luck charm from that country. Um, and I've, I used to go on quite a few buying trips to China, and I'd always buy things, bring things back for her from from there, and wherever I went on buying trips and yes we've always always been into it really and then um I live near Whitehorse Hill in Uffington in Oxfordshire and this it's like a really old pagan historic hill where they used to do human sacrifice and things and I just love that story and I kind of got interested in like the folklore kind of bits of it and I just I just love it and I just think even if you don't believe in healing properties of crystals the fact that someone gives you a candle or a crystal and says oh, spend some time to think about yourself and focus on these mantras and intentions I just think it's special even if you don't believe in it just spend some time and work on yourself Mm, definitely I couldn't agree more they're actually something I kind of discovered last year I'd, I don't know why I'd always I think I'd always been interested in them as a kid and then just kind of forgot it as I got older and then I rediscovered them last year and they actually really helped me kind of I think especially because the last year has been so difficult I found that I don't yeah I just I really started to believe in them and I think yeah. they're healing properties you know I've been getting a lot out of it I suppose would you agree that you kind of get out of it what your depending on what your belief systems are yeah. and kind of what you put into it yeah I, I agree so it's just I think it's just a, a lovely reminder for to give it to somebody and say you know invest in yourself spend some time on yourself and it's just I don't know I just it creates a reason to sit down and spend some time on your own and, and with your own thoughts I think 
Yeah, definitely. And I think self-care is 100% something that's at the top of everyone's agenda, yeah. um, especially following the last year, because it has been such a tough, tough year for a lot of people. So I think we've all kind of started investing a little bit more in ourselves and really thinking of ways that we can utilise self-care. Yeah. Um, how has it been working with your mum? Because I love that you guys have sort of started up a family business. I think that's such a great dynamic. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's. I've been a bit difficult, obviously, because we live in two different places. So that's been a bit of a challenge with COVID and social distancing. And it's been challenging sometimes, obviously, because of, of, we're like best friends, but also, you know, when you're with your best friend, you can argue a little bit too. So it has been challenging, but it's just, I think the key is just good communication and planning ahead. So you both know in advance what you've got to do and it's much less stressful, you know, if you plan ahead and prep what you can. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Did you guys kind of from the outset split what roles you were both going to take over? Yeah, so she is more of the uh, crafty one who creates the product so she she's the maker and then I'm kind of the one that does the website and the social so it's just playing on each other's strengths really so she's really creative um, and she's good at making things um, and then obviously because I'm a buyer I've got more of a commercial lens that I look through I love that you guys have such complementary skills. Like, put you two together, you're an absolute powerhouse. <laughs> <laughs> that's so incredible. Have you got anyone else in the family that's working on the business with you, or is it just you two that are working uh, on it? It's just us two, really. I mean, my partner, we, he has got, he's a barber. He's got a couple of barber shops, so he's obviously at home at the minute as well. So he's doing a bit of picking and packing for the orders because it's been so busy, but mainly it's just us two. <laughs> Oh, I love that though. What an amazing thing to be able to work on together. Yeah. Um, how have you kind of dealt with, obviously with the business getting busier, which is incredible, by the way, how have you dealt with like the extra influx of orders? Well, it has been a challenge, to be honest, because of um, Brexit and COVID supply wise and like the knock on effects from, well, at the start of COVID, a lot of people cancelled their um, orders from wholesalers so yeah it's been a real pickle trying to get stock to be honest so it's, <laughs> yeah so we've we've really tried to be strategic about what we push marketing wise um and pushing what we've been able to get stock of and then in the meantime it's really been planning and forecasting what we think we're going to sell in the future and make sure we've got the stuff in advance and plenty of time and then again all about mm. communication making sure that my mum's got enough time to make it and scheduling it all in and make it because we did when we first started we did a promotion in like September time um, and we sold out of all the stock and we couldn't get stock in for a while so that was a big learning lesson um because obviously we could have stopped, sold all that stock at full price and kept the stock in for the whole time, whereas we just sold out and we didn't have anything for a few weeks. So, yeah, it, it has been a challenge and there's been lots of learning curves, even things like boxes, because lots of people have started up little um, little businesses. It's been a real challenge to get boxes and, you know, the postage has been a bit pickled up because of the um, Royal Mail. It's It's been so busy and people have had to isolate. So, yeah, there's been loads of challenges. It's been a lot to juggle. Yeah, I bet. That does sound like you forget all these. Like It's almost like all these different components that work together to yeah. kind of like make your business run. Yeah. Um, do you have any tips at all for how to kind of manage really good supplier relationships? Yeah, so I 
for me, supply at the minute, it's really important to get the most out of your suppliers because in times like these, unfortunately, prices are going to rise because, you know, the pound's not as strong as it used to be and there is a bit of a shortage on certain products. So it's really important to have an open and honest communication with your suppliers. And in times like this, when costs are rising, you can't prevent it. It's good to think about what else you can get from them. So can they offer you promotional support or exclusive products? Um, and I think it's really important as well to build on that relationship with your suppliers. You can have really good two-way conversations with them. You can find out what's working for them, what's working for their other customers, and what things that um, what things aren't working as well. So you can get a really good insight of the wider market, and you can use that for your plans in the future. You can help. You can use it to help inform your decisions. So. Something that I like to do is just before I make a decision is just get as much information as possible um, to help inform me so I'm not just guessing. And I think suppliers are a really, really good um, indicator of that if you can get the information from them, obviously, because they're experts in their field. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much for being so transparent and open with that information. Because I think that will really help a lot of people that are, you know, thinking of starting a product based business. Because um, I know if you've not had much experience working with suppliers for the first time can be quite a scary yeah. thing. Just because you can hear so many horror stories, can't you, of where things have gone wrong and you've put quite a lot of money invested into stock. And yeah. for whatever reason, something's gone wrong along the lines. Um, did you find that because I actually started a candle business myself last year actually with my dad so kind of <laughs> similar but um, with my dad instead of my mum but we had to kind of make an initial investment obviously to invest in all of this stock which at the time felt really scary just because you think gosh we yeah. could launch and like sell no candles yeah. did you have a similar experience with that and how did you kind of overcome that mentally like the hurdle of that? Um, I think so before we started um, obviously we came up with the idea so the idea the product idea led the kind of business planning stage so um we had the product basically so I went away and I thought who is going to buy this product and I made like a brand pack so in there I had like a customer profile I thought about what my customer would read how they'd spend their time what social media platforms they'd be using where else they'd be shopping and then I had that customer profile so every decision I made I, I looked at it I had a photo off there of like a couple of influencers that I thought all oh, right these are the girls or the guys that I want to target and I think who will love the brand so um every time I made a decision I looked back at that customer profile and I thought is that the right thing to do for these guys and if it was yes I'd do it and if not then I'd go back to the drawing board I love that. I love that you had such a strategic approach as well from the offset, because I think that tools like that and doing um, things like that are actually so worthwhile, because sometimes if you if you start a brand, something I've learned, and I'm sure you agree, you really have to know your yeah. audience and know who it is you're targeting, yeah. because otherwise you're just basically selling to thin air. Almost. Yeah, I just like to make make that person into like an imaginary friend almost and then I can if I've got a question I can say to them what do you think about that and then I can think of the answer that they'll, that they'll tell me I don't it's a bit silly but mm. I just feel like it to really know your customer and obviously I'm similar to my customer too so that also helps so you do what you know and what you love but yeah 
I think as well I love and that. with the supplier information you know that can all feed into your customer profile because they can tell you what they know is working in the market Mm, I love that. It's almost like a hybrid between the two. So you've got your information coming in from the suppliers and then you've also got um, your ideal client information to kind of rely on as well and help back yeah, up your exactly. ideas. Um, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. Have you always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, I think I think I have. So, I mean, life as a buyer has really helped me prepare in terms of things like budgeting and finding products and creating products. And obviously I've got a... Um, good connections of lots of suppliers and lots of different kinds of product and I know lots of different people but I think it's the mix of being creative and like analytical at the same time um which allows me to create products that customers love and you know yeah I I don't know I feel like there's something in me that just wants to be an entrepreneur (laughs) I love that and how's your experience been so far has it kind of been what you thought it would be like or has it been different to what you thought yeah I I mean it has been a bit more difficult than I thought to be honest I think it's hard to to switch off and know when to stop and I think it's really important that you find time to rest obviously especially with the kind of products that we're selling we're selling you need to look after yourself yeah it's it's it's, it's difficult to juggle especially when you've got a full-time job as well that is a real struggle like how do you split your time and when's the right time to focus more on your business and it, it is a it is a real juggle but I've really enjoyed it and I definitely recommend anybody who's thinking about it to go ahead and do it especially if you can start with a small investment and grow your business organically and not take too many risks I'm quite risk adverse to be honest and I like to use make sure I've got lots of evidence to support any any um anything that I do so I (laughs) no I'm completely the same to be honest I think as well would you agree I think when you're starting out as an entrepreneur something that's really good to assess within yourself is how what your risk tolerance actually is like um because it's so important as an entrepreneur to know what feels comfortable for you versus what will really really stress you out and kind of like trigger anxiety for you because it can be really different for people's set point with um with that can be so different I find that is difficult and especially when you like we grew quite fast it was quite rapid and it was quite stressful because you want to make sure that every customer has like the perfect experience and I think you've got to pace yourself and you you can't push yourself to grow too fast because I think when you do grow slowly I think that's probably better in a way because you find all your teeth and problems and you've got an opportunity to address them all but yeah stress wise I just say don't take too much on at one time slow and steady definitely ruins the race for me anyway yeah I love that advice how what does a typical day kind of look like for you at the moment because obviously you are still juggling your full-time job along with running your business so what does a day typically look like for you yeah at the so I've got um some contacts that I work with in um, the Far East in China and also some in India so I'll wake up in the morning and I'll speak to them first because of the time difference and then I'll do my my day job um, and then I'll finish and I will reply to all my queries and DMs and emails and then I'll pack up my orders and then um, my partner will take them to the post office in the morning for me, actually. <laughs> but uh, but if he wasn't taking the parcels for me, I'd take them in my lunch hour. So it's pretty 
full on at the minute but luckily I'm furloughed on Friday so I've got a bit of extra time at the minute but I don't know what I'll do in the future so that's a difficult decision that I've got to make really of how I'm going to manage that moving forwards yeah and it the time Mm. the time difference with suppliers as well I feel like um sometimes starting out small businesses you might be a bit bit hesitant to go direct to source so sourcing from other countries such as india or china for example but i found it actually it's, it's been really good you can get the same products um for for a fraction of the cost um it, it's just all about testing really but I, I think that's something definitely that people should look into when they're starting a business is sourcing direct from factories rather than um wholesalers in the uk but then again it swings in roundabout because it's easier to get that market intel from wholesalers in the uk but saying that you can get just as good insights from um overseas suppliers because they they deal with big markets too in the uk Mm, I love that. I don't know if you've got any advice on this, but say if you were someone that's just about to start out on a product business, you haven't really had any experience before in buying and you were thinking of sourcing direct from the factories um, overseas, what would you, how would you go about finding those contacts? Um, I think it's a really good place to start, obviously, is Alibaba.com. You can search in there by products, mm. you can search them and you, you each um, factory has like a rating on there um about how people have scored them but it's really important to ask for things like um audits and sedex um reports so you can see a little bit more about the factories and see what their standards are like and see if there's any issues i think it's really important to check that your factories are operating in a you know a sustainable and ethical way so it's always really important to check your audits and make sure that the the people that you're buying from are decent which they to be honest they are most of the time um i think there's a bit of a stigma to be honest again um about um buying things from china because some people think that all the factory owners are mean but i don't think they are i've not really come across any that are so far so i think it's really important to check their audits um and ask what qc controls they'll do at the end um, but if you if you buy through Alibaba, then all your payments are insured anyway. And if the things arrive and they're not as described, then you can open up a dispute and it can get sorted through there. It's all insured. Obviously, you can buy on a credit card too. That's a little bit of more more security. And you don't have to always buy. Mm. Oh, thanks for sharing. Yeah, that. you don't always have to buy huge quantities as well. There are some. Um, vendors on there where you can just buy like 20 units so it's really worth having a look if you've got some product ideas Mm, thanks so much for sharing that i think that's um going to be so inspirational to people that maybe just don't have a clue how to get started but always have had the dream of starting a product business because it can be quite daunting to be honest when you feel you haven't had experience in something um is there anything you've had to kind of learn on the jobs and starting your business? Oh, what have I learned? I had to do probably because I've never really been customer. Well, I was customer facing when I was in school and worked in retail shops, but getting back into that kind of customer um, facing role, um, sometimes I can be a little bit shy. So learning to like open up and express my personality through my social media accounts and when I interact with people. So that's been a bit of a learning curve because I I don't just want to sell things on my social media platforms I want it to be a bit more of a community so that's definitely been been a learning curve and yeah just the customer service side has definitely been my biggest learning point 
Mm. It is hard, isn't it, when you start a business because you forget that you will initially be running pretty (laughs) much every department. So not anyone. I mean, I doubt there's anyone in the world that's got experience and feels really confident in every area of a business. So um, did you kind of do any work on your mindset to be able to get around that challenge and to feel confident in your customer service and kind of putting yourself out there a little bit more? I just thought, again, I went back to that customer profile and I thought these these people are just like me. So let's just treat them like they're your friends and companions. And I, I think it's really important to have that personal touch. And I thought, how would I like to be treated if I was in contact with a business? So I just went from there really but I think it's all about believing in yourself and after if you've done the research and you know that your idea is a good idea then what's to stop you um believing in yourself and if, you, if you're if the research that you've done supports your idea then I think it does nothing but add confidence to yourself so I think if you get your research you're all good and you should believe in yourself yeah I love that it's funny isn't it because when you start a business you almost think of all the practical things that you need to do like sourcing product and setting up a website and all these bits but you forget actually that I think one of the most key things for me personally when I sell my business was quite doing a bit of work on my own mindset and my limiting beliefs yeah. around certain areas because I found that actually it was when I got to the sort of source of what was holding me back a lot of the time it was that and it's crazy because you think when you start that almost everything will just fall into place and you'll just be able to get on with it but you really do have to kind of deal with those and overcome those limiting beliefs in order to be able to move your business forward I've found personally yeah I completely um, agree you do have to really push yourself and not even push yourself in like a physical or mental way but just push the belief in yourself that you can do it because sometimes I even now I go to bed and I think oh my god I don't know if I can do this but then you wake up and you think come on Mm. you've got this you can do it let's carry on <laughs> no me too honestly like sometimes it will just randomly wash over me and I'm like oh my god yeah. I'm responsible for my own income and it just like completely yeah, freaks me out <laughs> and it's crazy because normally nothing has triggered it either it is just literally me it's normally when I'm about to fall asleep as well, which is really annoying because I'm like always really tired and I'm like oh I don't want to be having a big mental debate about finance just before I go to sleep but I usually start myself off and sometimes it's just kind of like leveling with yourself and being like you've done this for however many months up yeah. until now how many however many years you can do it like you know yeah, believe in yourself me too. I know the feeling <laughs> <laughs> it's a bloody nightmare <laughs> um slightly different sort of course of question but what do you find are the best techniques for marketing so at business? the moment around 90 percent of our website traffic comes from instagram and i've focused on building that audience first because it's so visual and it really gives the customer a chance to see what your brand is all about at a quick glance it's almost like a shop window really i think um and i've built that up by working on a gift basis with um f- a few different influencers and it helps create awareness of the brand but it also provides me with some really great imagery and i don't have to pay for really expensive lifestyle photography and then I, I also for my Instagram, I really enjoy like the sense of community that I've got on the page. Um, and as I said, I think it's really important to network with your customers and build some real meaningful relationships. But I, I also the fact that 90 percent of our traffic comes from Instagram, I'm very aware of if something happened and Instagram went down, then I'd be in trouble so I think the next thing for me is to start to target Google and understand how that works a little bit more I've done a little bit of that before but I've really got to learn about that I think I think it's important that not all of your um 
customers come from one location and also for supply as well if all of your product comes from one supplier if something happens to that supplier then you're in a bit of trouble so i think it's really important to try and spread out where you get everything from whether it's product or customers i think it's really important so that's something for me to work on in the future anyway Mm, that's such a good ta- uh, takeaway. Thank you for sharing that. I know you said that you've been working with influencers. How did you kind of go about choosing which influencers to work with? Well, for me, it with? was, I really, so I've been doing all the photography myself and I'm not the best at it, but I can wangle some things together. So I really wanted some beautiful, um, wider shots and more lifestyle room setting shots. So I kind of just found people with the kind of look and feel that I really liked um, and went from there and it's been really beneficial to me and I've just kind of popped a slid into their DMs and asked if they fancy working with each other. A couple have said no but I'd say 80% have said yes so that's been really useful and I've tried to target people with like um, I've, I've gone to people that have got 2,000 followers just because I really love their style of photography and then I've gone for bigger ones as well that, that have got like 10,000 followers and that's been really good and I've given them discount codes as well um, and they've been used so I've, but for me over awareness is about kind of building that brand look and feel on my Instagram feed as you scroll through it so when someone lands on that Instagram feed that they know what you're all about and they instantly can understand the brand and they instantly like it and want to be a part of it Mm, I must say I'm such a fan of your page like it is so (laughs) pretty to look at and to be honest I think it's what kind of first drew me into your page I remember scrolling across like one of your pictures and I was like instantly like oh what's this this looks pretty and then um I I love it as well because now whenever I see your images pop up on the feed I can always tell they're you without even sort of really looking at them which I think is such a testament to good branding and good product imagery and And I think when someone can do that making that customer profile and really knowing who you are and who you're selling to and what that customer is going to like so everything's really consistent Mm, I can definitely see the consistency in your page so it's really really uh, paying off do you find that you have to do much outreach and kind of commenting on people's accounts and things like Um, that to help grow the page yeah it's something that I've done but um not necessarily with the sole purpose of growing it just because I wanted to connect with um other people and kind of build that community um kind of feel on the page because I just love it when people have that um I just think it's makes it makes it more than a business it's I don't want it to be so cold and selling all the time but yeah I've definitely and it's something I enjoy as well it's nice to just sit there on an evening and you know have a chat to a few people and how nice is it when you can just scroll through Instagram and say babe you look gorgeous I love this or I love your dress or it's just I just love it to be honest it's all about boosting each other up yeah no me too (laughs) I can't agree more no definitely I'm literally the same to be honest it's quite interesting isn't it that's kind of a wider topic of Instagram I think Instagram has gone through different phases I feel like there was definitely a phase where businesses almost kind of realized that they could use Instagram to harness the growth of their business and it went very almost like corporate and the images were just for me personally anyway way too polished and it was starting to look a bit fake but I've started definitely noticing even some of the really big brands now have kind of gone back to being a lot more organic and doing what you're saying here and like really trying to build a community which I think personally is just such a nice experience. It just feels like I don't know like I want to create kind of like a lifestyle not just a shop you know 
Yeah, no, definitely. I completely. And I really can tell that you're doing such a great job of that. So um, I think if anyone's kind of looking for an Instagram feed to use <laughs> as inspiration, je- definitely check out the Two Libras page. It is really inspiring. Have you? Um, oh, no, you're welcome. Have you done any paid yeah, ads I've before done a on social media? Of paid ads. And to be honest, they do re- work really well. Um, I, I've tried a different, a few different ones. I've done one of just products and more lifestyley ones. But funnily enough, on a paid ad, it's normally the more product shots that get more um, click through um, and website visits. Which is, I suppose, it's more of a selling tool, isn't it? And then my like the manual outreach that I do, that's where I get more interaction with the kind of lifestyle elements. So yeah, I think the paid ads are definitely worth doing. I started really small, like. Um, a, a friend of mine that has another ca- um, candle company she recommended just doing a hundred pound for a week a month so I started off doing that and it worked really well I think for for a hundred pound I got a couple of hundred followers for for a week and then I've gradually upped it um, and made sure you know that the return on investment is still worth it but yeah I'd say start small and scale up once you find the the kind of right ad that works for you and generates the most traffic and I find as well even if you run the ad as long as the traffic's coming through it's worthwhile not necessarily if you get the sales because I feel like I get the traffic I get a follow and then maybe a couple of weeks later it'll convert into a sale people don't just click through and buy instantly I definitely feel like nowadays we're also savvy on the internet we all want to shop around and make considered um, purchases so it's not so much of a snap decision so it's even if you don't see the return when you spend it straight away I think they will come through eventually Mm, I'm so glad you shared that because I couldn't agree with you more to be honest I found a similar um, similar um, yeah experience through my own candle company to be honest I think nowadays people as well are willing to kind of warm up as a customer and kind of follow you and they'll be still quite cold and then they become warmer the more they see you post and eventually will convert so I definitely agree I think that seems to be the trend of things at the moment especially for leads that are coming through social media and especially you know it's tough times out there like everyone's a bit strapped for cash you know if you're furloughed or maybe maybe you're in between jobs at the minute so yeah it's it's they're more considered purchases I think Mm, yeah definitely I I couldn't agree more with that um I really love as well the branding that you have for two Libras did you come up with the branding concept as well kind of as part of your building of your ideal customer was it you that was responsible for the branding um, work yeah so I started off by making the customer profile and then I went from there I I played with a lot of different logos and stuff so I've not really got much design experience so when I've been buying in the past I'd work hand in hand with a designer I'd kind of brief them in what I wanted so it was a bit of a different experience I had to do it all from scratch but I used a software um, platform that's free online you have to pay to upgrade Um, but it's called Canva so I found that was really useful they've got lots of templates that you can create your own logo so I created lots of different ones um, of logos and taglines and I shared them with my friends and family especially the people that were similar to my target customer and got feedback and just kind of narrowed it down from there really and what's something to bear in mind as well say if you're starting up a candle company I knew I was starting with candles but I wanted to make sure I had the opportunity to um, branch out into other products in the future so I made sure that um, whatever brand that I created or logo would translate onto other products as we grew 
Yeah, I love that. It's so important, isn't yeah. it, to kind of think of your longer term brand vision, even when you are just starting out. And also, I love Canva too. That's <laughs> oh, how so I do good. quite a lot of my design work. It's so it's good. Is it maybe? I don't know if it's a tenner. I can't even remember. Yeah, I think it is a tenner. Do you know what? I did upgrading in because I work with a lot of marketing clients. I ended up using it a lot more than even Photoshop just because yeah, you can get the same results. So say if you are starting completely from scratch and there's some really great stock photography on there as well if you need to use them before you put your product in. It's definitely mm. worth it, I'd say. No, me too. And all the low, um, yeah, like the logo templates yeah, and amazing. also the videos as well that are on there, like the stock amazing. videos. They're so incredible. <laughs> I love how much we're fangirl in Canva. <laughs> it's very good though. Did you have to outsource any of the work initially? Like, did you have to get any kind of marketing people in or anything? No, or did we, you literally we just, just do it all in house? house? To be honest, so we just split it. So my mum was in charge of making a product that was really great and then we'd touch base and I'd say yep yeah, like, I think that's gonna work and then in the background I was working on the branding and how we were gonna market it I did like I did got a powerpoint presentation and I mocked up how I wanted the Instagram um, feed to look and the kind of look and feel um, but yeah did a lot of research on hashtags YouTube is the best for finding things to be honest and they I got a lot of advice from there and I've just done it on my own but again reaching out to suppliers can really help because they can give you some really good hints and tips and you know what if you do become quite a large customer of theirs or if your business starts to grow you can always ask them for promotional support like what can they do to help you sell product um they could give you some disc discounted um supplies if you're going to do a promotion to help support with that because the more you sell ultimately the more they sell so it's really good to reach out to those suppliers at that point as well but yeah we did it all in-house that's amazing though Thank what you. an incredible achievement <laughs> where do you see your business in five years time and what are your goals for the future oh, this is one of my I'd favorite really, questions like, by the way. <laughs> like I said, I'd really love to grow two libras into a real lifestyle brand that helps inspire people to invest time time in themselves and practice self-care and i think in the future as well i'd like to really tackle the wholesale side of things and work with some key retailers um to help you know reach new customers and raise brand awareness but we've got already got lots of new products in the works so hopefully it will grow a little bit more and it will start to become more than just a candle brand soon <laughs> oh that's so exciting i can't wait to see where you guys take it in the future oh, i think it's just you. gonna be absolutely I amazing to it too. it's exciting times <laughs> Yeah, super exciting. Um, I thought we'd just finish this interview with a question that I like to ask all of my guests. So firstly, what advice would you give to all of the incredible women out there who have entrepreneurial dreams of their own, but they're just a I little bit too say, afraid to get started? Because it's, it's likely it's only going to reinforce what you think you know, and it's going to help build your find it's going to help you find confidence in yourself and in your ideas. And you don't need lots of money to get started if you can get creative and find solutions um again ask anybody for any help that they can give you at all anybody that you know that you think has skills be cheeky and ask them for some tips and let your business grow organically so we just um we might me and my mum we just invested a couple of hundred pounds each to start and we've not invested anything else um in since and we've just let it grow organically and not taken money out for a little while and now it's starting to snowball and really grow so yeah just believe in yourself and you, you don't have to have lots of money just be creative
Yeah, I love that. Oh, what a great takeaway for everyone listening. And then my last question. So what does being a female entrepreneur I think it's really important to be a female entrepreneur because when I've worked in buy-in and retail environments and the workplaces I've been, there haven't really been many senior management people that are women. And I don't think being a female or a male entrepreneur is different at all, but I think it's really important that there are um, role models out there that look like everybody, so everyone's got someone to relate to, and hopefully I can be that person for someone in the future. Yeah. I love that. I couldn't agree with it more. And to be honest, it's kind of like the philosophy behind the podcast. Like, I just want women to be able to feel like, oh, hang on a minute. You know, if Megan yeah. and Chloe can do it, then so can I. And just to feel inspired that and empowered yeah, that sure. if we can do it, so can they. Oh, thank you so much, Megan, for taking the time to chat with me today. I've really, really enjoyed our conversation. I think there's going to be so many incredible takeaways that people listening can get from this episode. Um, you can follow Two Libras Journey over on Instagram. And the handle is at Two Libras Life i will obviously link everything in the show notes to their social media and their website but um thank you so yeah, much thank Megan. You so i really much. appreciate your time today feel free to give me a dm i'll be happy to chat to anybody <laughs> oh thank you that's no so worries. lovely of you thank you thanks megan thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode and want to keep up to date with the latest who and what she wants podcast episodes then please follow our instagram page which is at the handle at who and what she wants podcast or hit the subscribe button now we hope to see you again soon